Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Welcome to Business Black Belts. I'm David Golding. I have the pleasure of being here with Paul Brewer, Chief Revenue Officer at Rival. How are you today, Paul? I'm well. Thank you for having me, my friend. I know that we've only been on a couple of dates, but I'm happy we're doing it. Yeah, right on. I, I agree. It's going to be fun. Um, you know, you have a very interesting career, and in particular, what you're doing now is uh, is very cool. So let's just start off by talking about that, so people uh, you know know what you're into. Yeah. Um, and again, thanks for having me. Rival, Rival kind of came about out of nowhere, actually. Um, so what we do, we're a platform designed around fan engagement. Um, and we've utilized that in a big way across multiple sports teams and organizations. I think the interesting thing is now what we're realizing is that a lot of brands think that there's an opportunity to engage with their consumers through gaming. Um, so we facilitate a lot of that. Um, you know, we position ourselves not as an esports company, but it's very geared around people who want to compete in games and just need a more organized way of doing that. And so the rival platform um, gives you a destination as, as an organization to host, you know, gaming competition, even if it's just casual, um, but really to to give give the consumer a way to engage with each other um, with the impetus being video games. Um, but there's a lot of fun things built into it um, through crypto wallet and NFTs and things like that. Um, and our, I give a lot of credit to our founders who have built a, a platform and have been doing these types of things in the tech world for a long time, but have built a platform that um, even very unbiasedly, I believe, is far and away different and better than any other tournament platform um, at, at market. Yeah, it's so cool you know, to be in, in, uh, involved in something that is so leading edge. Um, and it's always fun to, and I can't wait to hear more about uh, NFTs and crypto and, and what you guys are doing there, because um, that is just a fascinating part of the world that I think people are still just waking up to. And, and it can be a, a challenge to understand. And it's like anything, Paul, I think it they have different applications depending on um, your particular situation, industry, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I think they're, they're here to stay and, and would love to hear more about how you guys are using them. Um, but before we go there, let's, let's go back to the beginning and, and talk about, you know, when you were a white belt and kind of how you got your start. Yeah. So uh, I was in business school at NYU um, and I had the, I was very fortunate. I was, I was put in an internship program at ESPN um, which which turned into to much more than an internship for me. Uh, but I was in the special events marketing department, which was, uh, I guess, every boy's dream, every 23-year-old's dream, uh, you know, going in and being a part of the planning and organizing of the Super Bowl, the ESPN Super Bowl party, the NBA All-Star Game party, those types of things. Um, and obviously, it was there was a lot, of, a lot of B2C functionality around, you know, ESPN The Weekend, things like that as well. Um, but while at ESPN, ESPN was uh, doing something called the Madden Challenge, uh, made for TV, post edit, late night run, um, but effectively very early onset esports, um, finding people who played Madden, the video game, uh, putting them on a, a whole bus tour, creating content around that, um, around competing on Madden. 
Um, and in a meeting one time, uh, God bless Sean Bratches. I was, you know, part of his organization. Um, somebody in the room said, Hey, we, we need some help with, with the Madden challenge. Does anybody want to raise their hand? And Brian and Bushytail, not knowing what would lead to, to today, uh, I raised my hand uh, and got to, got to work on that a little bit. Um, there were several partners that were a part of it. Um, Best Buy was a big partner, but uh, Samsung was one of the biggest. And Samsung was doing a whole initiative around, around competitive video games. Again, esports hadn't even been coined yet, Dave. It was, it was wild to see how far that term has come. Uh, but Samsung had done previously all the way going way back in Korea had been doing Starcraft and Warcraft competitions for a long time. And, uh, they were, they were kind of a lot, they're, uh, launching this whole sort of circuit, uh, around the concept of the Olympics of video games. So every country would sort of, um, create video game competitions across a whole bunch of different game titles and disciplines, um, and then you'd meet in an Olympic style sort of festival all around video game competitions. Uh, and the North American group at Samsung had a very small team and uh, getting to know those folks uh, asked if I was interested. And again, every little boy's dream working in video games, right? I graduated college. I was in business school um, and decided, yeah, this is this seems like something new. Um, and it, it, you kind of got to be sports adjacent. Uh, but uh, it was it was a whole whole new sort of medium. Um, so spent about five years at Samsung, and it was great. Kind of flying all over the world, managing esports teams. Again, it wasn't considered esports yet, um, but managing teams and players, and working with the game publishers, and working with different brands on partnerships. We partnered with Xbox. Uh, we partnered. I effectively put Circuit City out of business. It was fantastic. Um, but we, we did a lot of B2B partnerships and, and I really got to uh, sort of get my hands dirty and, and understand this ecosystem. At the time, it was very much about how many people you could put into a hotel ballroom or into a, an amphitheater or whatever. Um, there was no real mass distribution, right? Twitch hadn't come along yet. YouTube gaming didn't exist yet. Um, we're talking probably 2006 to 2009. Um, and very at the tail end of that, um, a little group called Justin TV started filming this and broadcasting it out over the internet. Um, but there was no sort of democratization of content. There was no cloud. So it was very, very expensive to do that. Um, but we, we started to sort of distribute out of, online, um, you know, some of the competition. At the same time, a couple things. I think one, my wife was like, can you stop flying all over the world playing video games? Can you get a real job? And I said, hey, I'm not playing video games. I'm hosting competitions. She didn't understand that, didn't care to her. I was playing video games. Um, but also, I, I, I didn't see the scale. Shame on me. I didn't see the scale. Again, the distribution was limited. I think the investment from the brand perspective was somewhat limited because again, you could, you know, if you could fit 500 people inside a hotel ballroom, that was your audience. That's what a brand's exposure was. Um, and obviously, there was passion and engagement, but the the reach wasn't really there yet. Um, but I spent about five years doing that. And once my wife sort of pushed me, um, I, I found my way back into sports media at, at Turner Broadcasting. Um, I'm very lucky. Turner was 
and still is very, very innovative in their approach. Um, and I, I got a role on the digital side in the sales organization, um, overseeing just a couple of the, the golf partnerships that they had. So Turner, their model was we'll manage your digital properties for you and then we'll monetize those. And some of them were rev share, some of them um, were different financial models. But um, I, got, I got to work on the golf properties at Turner, uh, which was great obviously working with some of the best in, in not just media, but in the sales industry in general. Um, and so about three years into that, um, and I got to touch NBA.com and, uh, you know, some, some of the other properties we, they had the partnership with the NCAA around March Madness. Um, so that I, I got to work on that some, um, but, you know, selling across the portfolio and, and, and working with, with our sellers, uh, and a few years into that, one of our, our executives said, hey, you know, we're looking at new acquisitions, like new things. And if you have any ideas, like what do you, you know, we'd, we'd love to hear them. And somebody raised their hand and, and said, you know, maybe we, you know, acquire this website or maybe we partner with that website. Well, I raised my hand and said, you know, we should look at this thing called Bleacher Report. Um, I've been following the newsletters. I've been. Um, you know, a big fan. I've, I've got TeamStream. I, I was I was a consumer, um, and I don't think they listened to me. But they did go acquire it about six months later, which was pretty nice. Um, and they, you know, they put me on that, and I got to to work very directly with that team and and work on the transition of of, of the acquisition and and the monetization of Bleach Report and, and folding that into the, the Turner Sports portfolio. Um, and I think, you know, that was probably the the biggest sort of movement from, let's call it uh, brown belt to black belt, maybe, um, mm-hmm. working with Rich Kalachi and, and Seth Ledetsky and Walker Jacobs and, and a whole team of people who are just brilliant sellers, brilliant marketers, brilliant minds. Um, but like anything, you start to reach a little bit of your limit and you, you feel like you've hit a ceiling. And um, I was never going to be Rich Kalachi. Nobody is. Uh, so it was a little bit of, uh, you know, what's next. And some of the folks that I had met in my Samsung in the gaming days uh, after the Twitch acquisition happened, I'd reached out to them and said, hey, is this real? Like, what is going on with this industry? You know, almost a billion dollar acquisition from Amazon. Um, that, that's, you know, that's real money in 2014 or 15. And they said, yeah, actually the industry is, is here. Now there's scale, there's distribution. Um, and you know, are you interested? And good, good friend, Craig Levine, um, who he won't like it, but we all call him the godfather of esports. Uh, he's, he reached out and he said, you know, would you ever be interested in a biz dev role over here? You know, we, we'd love to love to talk about that. And long story short, after a, a, a quick no and then a quick yes, um, went over there and, and worked to, to build sort of the North American monetization arm uh, of ESL. Um, and they'd, they'd gone through a lot of changes. Uh, they Their business was very much a services business, working with the publishers to produce esports. Um, but they they definitely grown to be one of the behemoths in the industry, putting on massive events where you know, 100,000 plus people were pouring into stadiums to, to watch these competitions and these tournaments. Um, and so to be a part of that and to know that there was scale and there was an opportunity to grow, um, I think was super interesting. And 
I'd, I'd covered off with some of the smartest people I knew at Turner Sports to like, hey, what do you think of this as a, as a next step? Where do you think this could go as an industry? And they said, well, not only do we think it's a really good move, but we're looking at things where, you know, they were talking about uh, building E-League at the time. And um, you know, they said, you know, if, if you've got an opportunity to be on the cutting edge as, as esports and again, 2015 is getting to be a real thing, you know, you should you should give it a hard look. So did. Um, and over the course of about six years at ESL, um, really helped to build sort of North America, but also global um, with obviously a whole bunch of help from from super smart people but um, helped to build a lot of the monetization efforts across sponsorship and um, a lot of the partnerships that they're doing and, and even some of the media rights deals that they've, that they've done. So, um, you know, grew the business, I don't know, thousands of percentage points, um, but had a lot of fun and got back to traveling around the world and watching people play video games, which is a whole different phenomenon that you and I have talked about a little bit. Um, but it was, it was great because you do earn that black belt in sales because you get to, to write the sales narrative, right? You get to write the playbook. You're not following the ESPN playbook from a long time ago. You're not following the Turner sports playbook. Um, and so it it was, it was great in that sense. And then, uh, after about six years of that COVID hit and our events became not events and, uh, you know, somebody came along, uh, um, he actually wasn't uh, an official client, but somebody who was on the client side came along and said, Hey, I'm going to take this job in gaming. And what do you think? And I said, no, stay away from gaming. It's terrible right now. And he took the job anyway. Cause you know, what do I know? Um, and not only did he take the job, but then he said, Hey, would you like to be a part of this? And, uh, I took a look under the hood at the platform and what our founders have done and, and our now CEO and just a really smart group of people. Um, and I loved the idea that it was so much more than an esports property. And um, yeah, made the jump about a year and a half ago. And now we're uh, north of 50 clients working with all sorts of sports leagues and sports entities. And again, now we're getting into the space where we're working with brands. And that's super exciting to me because that was a lot of where I cut my teeth at Turner and at ESL. Um, and I think that's, you know, going to be what drives the, that keeps the industry strong, but, but drives it forward as well. It's so cool how your career kind of came full circle, right? Um, and, and how it seems like, uh, well, it doesn't seem like it without a doubt, if you hadn't left esports, um, it probably wouldn't have, uh, well, who knows what would have happened, but it's so cool that you were able to go out there and get this other experience and really kind of expand yourself and, you know, professionally, personally, and then come back and use everything that you learned in more of a traditional media sense, even though it was still, like you said, Turner, cutting edge, you know, Bleacher Report. I mean, these were still, you know, how sports um you know, uh, media was evolving, but then to be able to come back and apply that again to gaming is so cool. I think, you know, as we think about the, the black belt concept, I think that's, um, it's such a good call out, Dave. I think that's what allowed me to be successful and allowed us to be successful at, at ESL. I'd learned from the best sellers in the business. And I think that's what gaming needed, right? Was a little bit of that traditional media, traditional uh, sales approach. And the idea that I had a little bit of that 
um, convergence of you know traditional sports sales along with gaming background. Um, I hate to refer to myself this way, but we'll do it anyway. It's a little bit of a unicorn. There's not a lot of people who have the history pre-Twitch of gaming plus uh, you know traditional sports sales or traditional media sales experience and and the mentorship that I've been able to be a part of. Um, and I think it's it's really been a big part of being able to talk to an AT&T and speak their language where they know the sports language, but also be able to weave that sort of esports and gaming narrative into it, I, I think has really been been helpful. And what I see out there now, the people who are doing it really well, same thing. Um, a, a friend of mine and somebody that's at ESL now, he was at Turner Sports for a while. He was at the Pac-12 for a while. And he's he's crushing it. He's doing a really good job um, because I think he just understands the business world and the sales world from a sports perspective. And he's able to, to utilize that in the gaming world. So, um, yeah, that full circle, I think, is has been probably the one reason other than the people for uh, for any success I, I've had. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the people, too, because I think we're all a product of our environment. And when I look at my career and think back of how blessed I was to meet certain people and have people invest in me, right, giving me the opportunity to learn from them, um, that is so cool. And, and, and I was really glad that you called out those people that, you know, really made an influence on you because I, I think... Um, you know, so much of life is just you know, timing and being in the right place at the right time, but also working hard, right? And making the most of it. There's always that, you know, that that balance of, you know, you can be in the right time or you can be in the right place at the right time, but you also got to make something of it. 100%. And I think one of the things that I've been blessed with is I've been taught um, the value of a relationship. You know, the, nothing against transactional sellers. I think it's super important to you know try to sell by volume in, in a lot of different capacities um, but the people that i've learned from have taught me the value of a relationship and you know that that's a little bit my sales approach um, i'm a relationship seller and i um you know I, I think if there's anything that i would thank them for it was teaching me the value of like building that relationship and so as i've gone from one place to the next um you know, I don't, I don't lose track because I've, I've built the relationship, right? I've got the foundation. Um, and so, yeah, I, I will continue and forever be super grateful of, of the people who have said, you know, you, you need to maintain relationships. Uh, and as, as cliche as it is at the end of the day, that's, that's what I'm going to have. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it doesn't really come down to the product that we're selling as much as it does the relationship I have with, with who I'm selling to or, or, or talking to. Yeah. Let's talk about that rival product, right? Um, Cause I, I'm, I'm fascinated by what you guys are doing. You know, you mentioned the 50 clients and how um, you uh, you know, your leadership is really innovating and, you know, again, you're on this leading edge. So talk to me more about that. Yeah. So what I would start out with is, you know, anybody can run a tournament. I, I'd say we're in the stage right now of, of what I would, I've always said is like pre-fantasy football days. Like back in the day, a bunch of our friends could get together with a spreadsheet and we could track our own stats and we could decide who won and who lost. 
And then the big media companies and the league came together and said, actually, we could do this. We could automate it. We could create some sophistication around this and we can help a user, an end user to have a much better experience around playing fantasy football. And I'll never forget my first Yahoo fantasy football league. And to think of how far all these platforms have come to manage your fantasy football experience. Um, I'd say that's a little bit what the industry has been like to date in the gaming world is like, I can just go and challenge, you know, David Golding right now to a match in FIFA on Xbox. I don't need a big platform to do that. But over time, we and I specifically are very much in the in the mode of like players are going they're not going to play for free. I think that there's going to need to be a better experience and a reason to game just beyond entertainment because there's so many forms of entertainment out there. So the rival platform is is sort of facilitate not sort of the rival platform is very much facilitating a a better user experience. Uh, but more importantly, it's facilitating all these different things that that you want to do as a gamer, and it's rewarding you for your time. So it's not just about I'm going to play against this person and I'm going to win and I'm going to win points or I'm going to win money or I'm going to win whatever. Um, it's a little bit like I'm going to sign up for this and I'm going to win some points and I'm going to play and whether I win or lose, I'm going to win some points and I'm going to stream and I'm going to win some points. So there's a whole sort of reward system built into this in a whole sort of um, play to earn to redeem model. And that's that's the brilliance of our founders and our CEO and myself and our CMO and, and everybody at the on the team of saying, you know, there, there's all these things that gamers are doing beyond just playing. And this platform allows you to to capitalize on all that, all while making it very easy for you to find somebody to play with and play against all while giving you the, the access to new players who you might not otherwise see. And then lastly, we've built a model around fandom. If I'm a fan of Liverpool and you're a fan of Liverpool, let's challenge each other and see who the best Liverpool fan is at playing FIFA. Um, and so the, the entire platform is designed around that type of engagement. And then obviously speaking the language of a call it a 12 to 34 year old. Now we know that there's a lot of um, exchanging in crypto and, and we're facilitating that. So if, if you, um, you know, if, if you're into crypto, we, we're able to, you know, you can, you can buy into that using your crypto account and uh, your rewards can be paid back to you in crypto. Um, and I think that that's been the differentiator aside from just the user experience or the interface um, but the, the differentiator between us and what was traditionally just a spreadsheet uh, is the utility of, of all these different modules that you're able to use that you would be using anyway, right? You'd be connecting your Twitch account and streaming anyway. Well, now you can do that on the rival platform. You'd be connecting your Microsoft Xbox account and your Blizzard Activision. You'd be doing all that anyway, but now you can do it all in one place and you can sort of build your resume, you can earn reward points, you can challenge your peers, you can do all of these things in one place. Um, and so that, that's that been a little bit of the impetus of, of the platform and the technology. Wow, really cool. Um, so who of those 50 customers, you know, what, what does a customer look like for Rival? It's a good question. And I don't have a single answer because everybody's a little bit different with it. Um, but essentially, these customers are building their own destination 
and saying, hey, you're a fan of, uh, I'll use Liverpool again, or the NBA or whoever, but you're a fan of Liverpool. Um, if you're a gamer, we've got a destination for you to be a part of our, our community. And um, you go and you can, uh, you can sign up for the Liverpool gaming community. And as a Liverpool fan, you can challenge other Liverpool fans. You can play in tournaments against other Liverpool fans. Um, and then sort of similarly, it doesn't just have to be about challenging another Liverpool fan. All these communities can kind of speak to each other. I mean, there's a whole passport module that's built around the idea of I'm a Liverpool fan and you're a Leeds United fan. Like, why can't I be a part of your tournaments? Why can't I be a part of your community and challenge you? Um, but uh, the impetus is really designed around a B2B community engagement platform uh, where Liverpool owns their own sort of uh, destination. And then the other thing that I think becomes interesting is that, well, two things. One, it's all about sort of that data that's collected. I get new data from gamers that I didn't have in my ecosystem before. And then secondarily, the, the platform itself is a destination with a lot of sponsorship and, and uh, a lot of sales inventory. So these teams can utilize that, monetize that um, outside of just what they do on the field or the court. They have a, now a, a gaming destination that they can go to their sponsors and say, hey, you've always been able to get to our consumer or our fan on the field or around the stadium. Now you can get to a, maybe a different consumer, a younger consumer um, in our gaming environment. And so there's a lot of sponsorship assets within all of these different communities uh, that, that they're able to monetize. Yeah, so many monetization levers there, right? I mean, that's what's so cool about it. I mean, it's, um, and, and, and uh, so actually I'll, I'll just let you speak to that. And then I got a question about uh, how you guys are using NFTs. Yeah, so the monetization pieces was a little bit, uh, not a little bit, I would say it's probably one of the, the things that really drove me to this platform. Again, you can, you can look at a lot of the different, you know, tournament platforms or tournament sites out there and it's very one-off based first of all. Um, but it's also just, you know, it's okay. I'm going to go and I'm going to play in this rocket league tournament. I'm going to register and maybe there's an entry fee and somebody's going to make some money there, but for the most part it's free to play. And then somebody's going to pay $500 for, for the prize pool. Um, the way that this was designed was all around, um, you know, monetizing the consumer, but, uh, you know, finding ways to, to drive revenue into their organization. So we do that a few different ways. One, again, it's a big data play. So that eventually becomes something you monetize. I think, too, there is an entry fee module or a paywall module or a subscription module. So if you eventually I don't recommend it at the onset, but if you eventually want to monetize through subscription base, the same way you would any sort of loyalty model, um, there, that that can be a, a form of monetization or a revenue stream. Uh, and then again, lastly is is the sponsorship one, which I, I find to be the biggest one. I think brands are very much, uh, you know, there, there's always been a little bit of this bucket of money for sports marketing. And then recently there's been a new bucket of money for esports marketing. And this actually gives those organizations an opportunity to, to combine those buckets and say, hey, not only are we a sports franchise, but we're also, you know, we've got this gaming community. And so the sponsorship asset or the sponsorship monetization becomes very, very real, I think, for, for these organizations. So, um, you know, all kinds of ways. And we're seeing some of it already. And we're, you know, less than 18 months into some of these communities. 
Um, and we're already seeing, you know, big brands, McDonald's and the U.S. Army and a lot of big brands sponsoring some of these communities, which is exciting for us um, because it I guess it proves the theory. Right. You know, it's not just like, hey, you could monetize this. Uh, no, they are monetizing it. So, um, you know, it, it makes us look smarter than we probably are. Yeah. And, and, and um, well, no, I think you guys are pretty smart, but um, <laughs> what, what's really happening is, you know, there's confirmation, right? I mean, the vision has become a reality, which is so cool. I'm, I'm sure it's got to be so exciting to be a part of that and watch every day how, um, you know, new, you're making, uh, you know, new leaps forward and people are buying into it. And, and, you know, I mean, you guys clearly have reached that tipping point where, I mean, if you get McDonald's and, and some of these other people um, or organizations involved, man, you have arrived. Yep. Yep. Totally. And yeah, you hit it on the head. It, it's, it's exciting to see sort of the, the theory prove out and, and again, ma- makes us look smart. Yeah. So how about NFTs? Talk to us. Cause I, I think there's, there's, I'm still um, trying to understand and figure out all the different uses for NFTs. So how are you guys doing it? Yeah, it's funny. I think all of us are right. And and admittedly, I am not the expert on this. But what I will say is that's been the issue, I think, to date is the utilization of this. And you can you can, you know, mint and, and sell an NFT. But then what? And I think that's been a little bit of the hang up is. I think the consumer very quickly realized like, oh, this is just a cash grab for you. You're just going to sell me this digital thing. And what the hell am I going to do with it? Um, but the way that we look at it is a little bit different. It, it is about the, util- the utility of it. And so as you, you know, if you're a team and you want to award an NFT as part of your pricing mechanism and that winning that NFT then allows you access to the team. It allows you access to the players. It allows you access to the arena or the stadium. So it, it becomes a, an opportunity where if you and I game against each other and you beat me and you win a Liverpool ticket uh, <clears throat> NFT, that NFT can be can be trend, uh, can be turned in or it can be utilized to uh, you know experience something or. Um, maybe it gives you access to merchandise that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. So there's a utility that comes about through through a gaming community and, and through competition and through a pricing mechanism that doesn't exist maybe sometimes if you just buy it. I think over time there will be people who, um, you know, they, they can sell an NFT and it gives you access to a restaurant or it, it gives you access to a museum or whatever. I, I, I think that's, that's the way that, that you actually recognize utility. Um, but in the meantime... You don't have to buy it. You can you can win it or you can earn it um, through your gameplay uh, on the rival platform with some of our partners. So super exciting. Again, I think NFTs are, are still to be figured out candidly. I think there's still a lot to be learned from them. Um, but in the short term, we've definitely figured out a mechanism that that, that gives them utility. Yeah, I love that. Um, Cause I think, you know, that whole utility aspect is, it's gonna be really interesting to see how others uh, do the same thing, maybe just, you know, different ways. Um, cool. and that's, what's so cool about something that's, that's, uh, you know, still evolving and, and, uh, you know, people's ability to innovate and be creative around a platform like that is really cool. Um, let's talk about, let's just shift gears cause we're running out of time, which I, I, I knew this would go way too fast. Um, because I have so many other questions, but, uh, let's talk about what you like to do in your free time when you're not, uh, working at rival yeah um 
So I'll start with the smart answer. I, I have a nine-year-old little girl who between she and my wife are my, you know, my life. Right. And so free time is, is very much spent with them. Uh, I've recently, Dave, gotten into a little bit of coaching her, her activities. Um, so she plays softball and she plays basketball and I've, I've become pretty involved in that, uh, which is, which is exciting. Cause I mean, even without rose colored glasses on, she's, she's pretty good. Uh, she, she's actually a little athlete. Um, so the first first part of free time is very much, you know, spending time with family. Um, and then secondarily, the real sort of hobby or, or passion is, is golf. Um, I continue to, to work at that, that game um, and, and try to get better. I don't think any of us, the, the only 150 people who are good at that sport are on the PGA Tour probably. But um, I mean, that's not entirely true. Our CEO is, he's, he's a stick, but um, I spend a lot of time playing golf, uh, when I, when I, when I can, and, and part of that's a business tool, to be honest. Uh, I, I, I am fortunate to, to get to host and to play with a lot of people just in the industry who are more than just, you know, clients or contacts, but, but actual friends. Um, but part of it's just my love of the game. I, I love it. Um, so I spend a lot of time on the golf course when, when I can. Um, and yeah, it's funny, you know, working in the gaming industry, one of the first questions, and I appreciate the way you formed this. One of the first questions I get is like, you know, how much time do you play? How much time do you spend playing video games, or you know, what what video games you play right now? And the answer is none. Um, I I created a separation of church and state a long time ago. I was coming home for a long time, and uh, you know, I get on Xbox or PlayStation or whatever, and I or even the PC, and I I get into the, the heavy round of Halo or counter-strike or madden or whatever um and before you know it six six hours would go by uh so i i created a separation of church and state um i'm trying to you know i'm always going to be involved a little bit just because i want to make sure i understand the industry i'm in um but i from a for fun perspective i don't spend a lot of time on the, on the console anymore um mostly it's it's family and it's and it's the golf course yeah, love it. You know, and, and that's so wise that you've created that separation. I think we all have to do that, especially as we become husbands and fathers, because um, I did the same thing. Uh, you know, <laughs> now I have a son who you, you know, I, I was able because he was so into gaming, I was able to continue to to play with him until he was probably nine or 10 when the games just got so far advanced for me, I couldn't keep up anymore. Uh, and thank God, because I'm, I'm just like you, I can spend six hours and it just, you know, it's like, it just evaporates right before my eyes. Yep. Um, so, um, it also golf, love the sport. Um, and, uh, you know, it makes so much sense that in your line of work, especially that, uh, you know, you, you get to play some too, which is cool. Been very blessed. Um, been very blessed to to love it and and also get to utilize it, you know, around around business. So, what's the best place uh, for people to to find you, to follow you, uh, to get in touch with you? Yeah, I, I'd say LinkedIn is it continues to be the place I, I'd send people to. Um, I mean, if if you want to see my golf swing and my daughter, you can follow me on Instagram um, at Paul Brewer Twelve, but. Yeah, my, my LinkedIn is is a good spot, um, and you know to that end, love meeting new people. To the point earlier, you know it's all about the relationships we build, and you know even this one, super super grateful that we've we've sparked this up. 
Um, but yeah, I, I love to hear from people. Please reach out. You know, I'm, I'm happy to chat about esports or golf or whatever you want to talk about. All right, cool. Paul Brewer, Chief Revenue Officer at Rival. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed this. I, I know I learned some things and, and I know people who uh, check this out will learn some things as well and look forward to staying in touch with you. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks. Thanks.